I've been having a little rough, a little rough weekend. My body ain't felt that great. Spiritually, it's been some warfare. But I was reminded of a song. David said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He says, even the people that sent it. Jesus said, if you, if on this world, you will have trials. You will have temptation. You will have issues, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And I reminded myself, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you feel, take heart. Take confidence that the one who died on the cross for my sin, the alive one that's sitting on the throne right now paying attention to his worship, he still got you. He's still clocking you. He's still paying attention to you. He's still inclined his ear to you. Some of us got to get up out these graves. See, sometimes this is simply a choice. We're begging God to do things. He said, you get up. He said, you get up. When he says, take heart, I've overcome the world. Well, whose children are you? Who's your daddy? Who's your Abba father? See, I tell you, I decided the time I have a son. A couple of them. And because that's my son, he know he can go in the refrigerator and grab whatever he want from me. He know he can go in the garage and touch my tools. He know my time. He knows he has full, complete access to daddy. I think sometimes we don't remember we're waiting on God to do things that we're supposed to be doing. We're waiting on God to move things. He said, you move. If you have mustard seed faith, you can move mountains. He said, I'm waiting for you to do some things. <laughs> Paul said, my grace is sufficient. <laughs> your power is made perfect in my weakness. He said, your grace is sufficient. And all week I've been reminding myself that when I'm at my lowest, when I feel like it's just about done, that's when he's at his best. That's when he's at his strongest. Because I'm at the end of myself at that moment. See, at that moment, I'm done. I'm at the end of myself. And he said, now I can step in. I don't need, I never needed your help. Go ahead and cut it. I'm excited today. Because what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. See, a lot of y'all didn't even know that Tyra is our co-parent. Y'all didn't even know. And see, what the enemy meant for evil, God said, no, I got a plan. And see, we, see it, the culture says we're supposed to be beefing. Culture say that the wife and the children, the mother of the children, are not supposed to get along. They're supposed to argue and fight. But when you insert the, the God in it, you insert the word of God in it, people remove themselves out of the way, and then you, you realize God got blessings in that for you. And, and I watch what, what God is doing in the lives of his people. In the lives of my family and my nieces and nephews and cousins, and I'm overwhelmed some days. Become like God, but it, 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 it's definitely a God. Is that not Bob Gilead? Let me explain this to you. He said, Is that not a savior? Is that not restoration? Is that not healing? Is, is, do we not have access to a, a God that has that sits on the throne, have authority over all and everything? I'm watching God do some, mirac some miraculous, supernatural things, and sometimes we pray, and because it didn't happen how we wanted to, or how we wanted him to do it, we think that he's left us. We think that he doesn't care. And today I come to serve the devil notice. Again. See, I'm a notice server. I'm not scared of him. I'm not scared of the devil like that. See, when he says I've overcome the world, and it's the same spirit of the living God living in me, I'm not scared of the enemy. I think too often we sit back and let the enemy punk us. Like he punks us, and he taunts us, just like Goliath did to the Israelites. 
It only took, I'm a, I got David's heart. I stare right in the face of him and say, no, uh, uh, uh. That's not what the word of God says. And so some of us need to serve the devil some notices this week in your families, in your marriages, in your jobs. Step out on faith. We gonna, let's get in this because I need all my time. We've been in a series, y'all, called what? Oh, y'all here today. Called what? And I'm loving this series, y'all. God said for the year, I want y'all to commit to growing. And as y'all commit to growth, spiritual growth, I'm going to allow supernatural around you. So we've been in this series. This is week 10, and we've been in this series, and we've been enjoying it. But I want to read the purpose today. Sometimes I read you guys my purpose. Sometimes I don't. But I'm going to read it today. The purpose is to sanctify the mature. The true disciples will continuously deal with and fight the sin in their lives, perpetuating true sanctification. We then join the kingdom team in the, form of, in the form of serving others and continuing to die to ourselves. We do this so we can have heavenly access and authority. I want to introduce you all to today's topic, grown folks' business. See, I thought, when I, I think of growing up, it, 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 sometimes we got to understand. Y'all remember when we was kids? I remember when I was kids. And when I was a kid, when I was 8, 9, 10, they would put us in the basement. And now my aunties and uncles, they'd go upstairs and they'd have a good time. Or they'd give us like the little crappy food, the ravioli and ramen, and they had the burgers and the steaks and stuff off the grill, and they make us some cheap, all these stuff, and give us that. And we'd be in the basement, and we didn't understand what was happening. And, and y- y'all remember them little, um, them little juices with the foil from Aldi's? Cut all our fingers up trying to, oh, give me a picture, give me a picture. Show them the picture. Y'all remember that? Give me that pick one. Y'all remember these little, y'all remember them? See, we got those, the cheap, watered up sugar stuff. They had the Pepsi. The good stuff. See, I'm I, I, I remind, I, I reminded of t- uh, today, it's, it's a such thing in the body of Christ as babes and grown-ups. And if we're going to grow this year, we have to leave infancy and start the journey or make the leap into adulthood in Christianity. See, in today's church now, what we want to do, what we call maturity is gifting. When you run around in circles and fall out and speak in tongues all day, we, keep, we think that's maturity. We think that's grown, but now nah, that's not what the Bible say. That's just gifting. Matter of fact, give me that first. Give me that first Corinthians chapter thirteen. He says, "If I were to speak in the eloquence of earth's many languages, and if the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to a hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal." Oh, we got these drums here. Now, if I'm trying to talk to y'all. And this all that y'all hear me doing, it's annoying, ain't it? This is really annoying because y'all can't hear me, and it's really annoying. And he's literally saying that's all you amount to if all you want to do is talk and speak in tongues and play religion, but you don't love nobody. He says, verse 2, and if I would have to have the gift of prophecy with the profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, you know everything. You prophesy, God show you all of heaven. He says, and if I possess unending supernatural knowledge, and if I, under, if I had the greatest gift of faith, move mountains to move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. And if I were to be so generous as if to give away my everything I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to, the, to be burned as a martyr, you gave up your whole life, I'd die for you. I'm going to put my, a martyr somebody who dies for the faith. You give up yourself to be burned as a martyr. Without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. I love the other version. He says you will be bankrupt. He says you will amount to, amount to nothing. And too often in the body of Christ, we associate uh, uh, what, what looks like holiness or what looks like maturity or what, look like, what looks like what they're grown, they're mature. I want to pray like them. I want to do like them. We will associate that with the gifting. 
And, and really what the Bible says is when you understand a few things about God and you start to love and serve each other selflessly, righteously, seeking the well-being of others, then you go, now we're talking. Watch, watch this, watch this, watch this. Let me read this to you. Is it possible that we're playing around in our Christian lives and it's, in, and it's areas God leaves us out of because it's unsafe, our ability to understand, above our ability to understand, and simply above our life grade. Not our pay grade, above our life grade. See, when you grown and you got kids, y'all remember, y'all remember your mom ever say, uh, where you going? We want to come. Oh, yeah, stay out of going for business. Stay out of going for business. We're going to see a man about a dog. Ain't none of your business. See, see, sometimes it's literally you just don't have the authority to do it or the access to do it. You're a baby. Stay out of grown folks' business. And sometimes God, I believe he's leaving. We have some things we can't tap into because it's unsafe. Above our ability to even understand it because we're immature. And just above our life grade. We don't, we don't have access or authority to do it. And the goal is authority. The goal, the goal was authority even in Genesis when he said go, subdue, be fruitful, multiply, have dominion. The whole point of this was God to leave us in charge. But how somehow it's been flipped and we're the ones that's begging and scratching and thirsting for a blessing. That's not how it was. That's not what we should be doing. Watch this. Give me, is T2 here down here? T, come here. I, I need some help, T2. I need some help. T2 is a three-time um, hands. What's it called? Hands? Fastest hands. He's a drummer. He's a professional. He's a professional. He's going to college on scholarship to play drums, to be in a band. Oh, yeah, come on. Come on. We have a, a, we have a drum set here. I'm going to ask T2. Give us, play something for us, T. Give, give us something. I, I want to show you all this. Before you start, let me make sure. Let me, let me make sure we set up. Go ahead. Go ahead. Give, give him something. Give him something, T2. Okay, that was pretty good, Kevin Kitty. Now, um, don't, 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 we ain't got insurance. Don't sit in there and break it. See, he like he looking at like man. It should be a point in our Christian life because we're adults. We don't even want to be on this. See, this is what we're doing. Give me them sticks. See, I'm not, I'm not a professional. This is what we're doing. Thank you, T2. We're sitting around in our Christian walk with God. And we really think we're doing something. We really think we're doing something. We pray one time this week. We fast for our first time at the beginning of the year. We ain't talked to God the rest of the year. And we just, and we look silly. In the body of Christ, I look silly. I'm six foot four, 240. I look silly on my three-year-old daughter's drum set, talking about I'm living for God, talking about I'm doing it big, talking about I sound good. And this is what we resulted our Christian walk in. We sit around on baby drums. See, this is grown folk business. It's time for us to mature from this baby, this, this lifestyle of immaturity in Christ and get to the place of holiness. Let me say, sanctification is free. I mean, uh, uh, salvation is free. Sanctification costs you. But watch this. Sanctification gives you access. Access gives you authority. 
Let me say it again. Salvation is free. Free gift of grace for what? No man can boast. But sanctification costs you. See, holiness ain't free. That's going to take you some dying to yourself, some picking up your cross. It's going to take some stuff from you. But watch this. Sanctification gives you access. Access gives you authority. Y'all remember our series scripture? Give me John chapter 15, uh, John 15, verse 1 through 8. See, the goal is authority. See, the goal for our Christians is to get to the level of authority. Let me prove it to you. John chapter 15, verse 1. I'm the true grapevine, and the, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more fruit. I love verse 3. He says, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. He said, this is not a salvation talk. You've already been pruned and purified by the, by the message I've given you. He says, but it's something else I'm trying to get you to, a sanctification. I'm trying to get you to a lifestyle of producing fruit. Watch what he says in verse 4. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For your breads cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot bear fruit unless you remain in me. He says, I need to be your source. See, what we want to do is hang on the fruit of Jesus' tree and produce our own fruit. We want to hang on an apple tree and produce bananas and oranges. But we want to have association with God, but we don't want to give up ourselves. We don't want to surrender ourselves. Watch this. He says, verse 5, yes, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. I need you to realize I am the source. Branches don't produce nothing. The, the, the roots give it, gives it nutrition. And from that nutrition, it takes it and produces. Apart from him, we can produce nothing. Away from God, not abiding in him, abiding in his word, living out the spirit of the living God in our lifestyle. We are cut off. There's nothing. We can't produce anything. Verse 6, he said, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch or withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned, to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want. And it will be granted. Authority. The goal is authority. Watch as he said, when you produce much fruit, my, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. The whole point of us growing up in Christ, developing in Christ, maturing in Christ, growing in Christ is to get to one place. Authority. Get to the place where he can use us for every good work. No matter what he needs to get done in your life, I can use you to do it because you, are, you, you have, you, you have lended yourself up as a tool, a vessel for Christ. You have sanctified your life in holiness and purity. Now I can use you. Watch this. This is the goal. But watch this. Fruit must be three things. It must be visible. It must reflect the nature of the tree that it grows on. And it must be for others. See, tree, fruit don't just grow to look cute on the tree. See, a lot of us say we Christian. Ooh. I'm trying to stay away from this. But it ain't no fruit on our tree. A lot of, it, that's a useless branch. Them the ones he cuts off. See, a lot of us, see, fruit must be visible. It must be, it must be indicative of the tree that it grows on. So stop telling me you walk with Christ and you're a Christian, and all I see from you is, a, is, is, is partying and drinking and kicking it and doing everything else. Stop, what we say last week, quit the cap. Stop telling me you something if the fruit on your tree is saying something completely opposite. Watch, 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 watch. He says, and it must, it, must, it must be for others. Fruit is for others. When is it going to be a point in your life where somebody could come to you and pick off your prayer and pick off your fasting and pick off your Bible study? See, that's why here I'm trained everybody to be ready to preach. 
See, I may never hit this, this pulpit, but y'all better be ready for a word Wednesday or something. All of us should be able at some point in time, it says you ought to be teachers by now. At some point in time, all of y'all should have the ability to give somebody a word. Y'all will not sit here for 20, 20, 30 years listening to me, sucking down whatever I say, and don't have the, you haven't grown none to have the ability to do it yourself. It should be a time where I'm out of here, it should be your preachers lining up, ready to go. Because y'all been in y'all word, y'all been studying, and y'all ready. So we can't sit here and just suck down on the Baba forever and let me just feed you, breastfeed you forever, and you're not experiencing supernatural in your life. You're not experiencing authority in your personal life. Watch this. Two disciples have authority. Access and authority is not free. And the problem is many of us believe we just don't concede. We like God, but we just don't surrender to him. We believe Jesus is Lord. We just don't want to live Jesus as Lord. We have an Adonai issue. Give me, give me, give me. Yeah, hear me say this all the time. It's the reason why we go, we, our, our motto in this church is Jesus is Lord. See, when you look at the capital L, capital O, capital R, throw it up there for me. That's translated into Yah. The all caps, that's God. But, get, but when you see capital L, small O, small R, small D, let me see that one. That's, that's Adonai. See, Adonai means master, sovereign owner or ruler. See, we have a problem. We believe Jesus is God, but we have a problem living Jesus is Adonai. Let him have master supreme authority over our lives. That means if you want to go left, you say right, nope. That means if he say come to church, you say I don't feel it, you go. That means if he say honor me with the first fruits, Lord, I don't want it, I ain't got it, but I'm going to honor you. I want to go lay up. No, you don't. No, you can't. I want to go party. No, you don't. Because I'm master, supreme owner, and sovereign ruler over your life. So you, you do things, abiding in the vine, being connected to me. You do things because you don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. See, when, when, when Adonai, is true, when he's truly Adonai, and he's master, sovereign owner over your life, you don't make a move without talking to him. It's time I've asked God ready to eat dinner. It's got that serious. Because sometimes I just want to be in his will so much sometimes that I ask him, should we even go here? When he's master, sovereign owner of your life, I, I am master, sovereign owner over Karis' life. I'm her parent. So when I say do something, she does it. Now, here we go. When she don't do it, we talked about this last week. I'm a soft daddy, so I'm not going to sit up here and lie to y'all. She get away with it a little bit. It'll take a minute to give me the move. But if she pushes past too far, she's some disciplinary action. And see, some of us are dealing with things in our life. To my God, God save me. No, 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 that's disciplinary action. See, you, you believe, you, did, you don't want to let me be master, sovereign, over, owner of your life. So it's all some compromissive will and passive will. And now what you go, see, see, if you touch a stove, you get burned. If you touch a hot stove in a fire, you're going to burn your hand. See, God has set up things. I think of it like this. I, I, I set up a gate, uh, and I tell, my, I tell my daughter, if I had a dog, stay inside this safe area. I got the backyard, and it's gated in for you. When you get us out of that area, you can get hit by a car. Somebody can steal you. And what we have a problem doing is when God set a safe, free area for us to stay in. I've given y'all boundaries. I, he gave Adam boundaries. Eat any other trees. Don't touch this one. But always, for some reason, we are so hard-headed. We always go past the boundary that he set for us. We have an Adonai issue. We don't want to allow him to be master over our lives, sovereign owner over our lives. We're struggling with it. And that's why we're going to have to grow up. Because we have to get into some grown people business. See, we, we, I, 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 I just can't, I can't, I refuse to let us sit here and not be adult Christians. 
that live a holy, sanctified life. And, and what happened is if I don't teach y'all like this, y'all just stay in my office telling me everything that's broken in your life. But what I'm, I'm, I'm banking on is that at one point in your life, y'all better tap into the spirit yourself and go to God yourself, and, and you'll better get things to move in your life yourself because you'll have authority. And see, then the whole team is moving a little different then. It's not one or two of us doing all the work. And that's the problem in some churches. It's five people carrying a hundred. See, I was going to play this video, but I got the kids in here, and it's, some, it's, a, it's a video that is it's some guns in it, and I don't want to. But, but the, y'all remember that Harlem Nights? Y'all remember they had the Tommy gun? And he had that with a gun. Pop! And they're like, quick, we're going to get you. Pop! And what happened is, I, I thought about that, like, that's how we are in the body of Christ. Some of us are coming from the enemy. we going for his neck, and some of us in the church like, pop! And think just because we came on Sunday, God owes us something now. We, 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 we should have ten blessings on the way. And we just in our Christian life like, pop. And if y'all remember the part, I, wonder, I wasn't going to laugh with y'all. He, he, he's like, don't shoot that no more. He, don't shoot that little thing no more. It, it came to a point where it irritated the other people because you embarrassing us shooting this little BB gun when we got Tommy guns. And too often we got to do this in the church, hold other people accountable because they think that they're, see, and I know we don't like, we don't judge and they don't judge. It says don't judge unrighteously. We, we think that, that culture does is uh, don't judge. This is no judge. Don't, we don't judge nobody. Everybody live your own truth. So everybody got their own truth. So what truth is truer? See, we have to have the truth. We have, have to, we have to have a basis for morality, a basic truth. And God said, I love it. He says uh, we were created in his image. So the basic things about we, nobody got to tell you don't kill nobody. It's, you know it because it's, it, the, that, that morality was built inside of us. Nobody has to tell you that. And we have to hold each other accountable in the body of Christ. Because we, we are content just being babies and just cheering each other on and never really growing. Watch this. Give me Romans 9, Romans 10. We want to claim association with God with no relationship. We want to claim association with God with no participation in the kingdom of God. Watch this Romans 9, I mean Romans 10, 9. Oh, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, uh, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that a man is made right with God. It is by believing in Jesus Christ that you are made right standing with him. But watch this. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Hold up. So just believing ain't enough? I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to make Jesus Lord Adonai and openly declare my faith, kind of what they just did in the pool? I'm supposed to live a lifestyle that when people see me walking in Price Chopper, they're supposed to see a God. I'm supposed to have, have fruit on my tree that looks like God. I'm supposed to carry myself a certain way that, that, that represents Christ well. He says, verse 11, and Scripture tells us anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. He's not talking about salvation here. He's talking about who will be saved. You have access and authority. It's about belief that you may write with him. It's about openly declaring a lifestyle it is that you have authority and access, that you can be saved, that you can call on the name of Jesus, and he will move for you. Watch this. It's two things God needs for us to be grown. It's two things he needs for us. And I thought I could make this really simple because if we, if we get these two things, these two, these two parts of this, we'll all become grown-ups. We'll move from being a little bitty infant into being adults. Watch this. One, we are to be found faithful. Deal with the sin in your life. Uh, can y'all get Pastor Kenya on mic? Deal with the sin in your life. Give me First Kings 18, please. We need to deal with the sin in our lives. 
I'm going to say it again. Deal with the sin in your life. We are to be found faithful. When God shows up, we are to be found faithful, doing what he showed us to do, exactly how he told us to do it. Dealing with the sin in our life. Give me, go, go to verse 18, and I'm going to have you read this. Give me 18 to 40. I need to give you all this, 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 this text. Stay with me. I need to give you all this. Do you mind giving me that? First Kings chapter 18, uh, chapter 18, verse 18. And just go, take me down to 40. I, 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 paint this picture, y'all, in your head of what was happening at this time. I have made no trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. You and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord. Refused to obey. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Keep going. I'm going to just jump in all over. You lost it? And have worshipped the images of Baal instead. Now summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel, mm -hmm. along with the 450 prophets of Baal and mm -hmm. the 400 prophets of Asherah, who mm -hmm. are supported by Jezebel. Mm. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, how much longer will you wait? Will you waver back and forth? Mm -hmm. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. Mm -hmm. But the people were completely silent. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, for Baal has 450 prophets. Mm -hmm. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and mm. lay it on the wood of their altar, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood on the altar, but not set fire to it. Mm -hmm. Then call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. Come on, let's have a God off. The God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God. <laughs> and all the people agreed. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first, for there are many of you. Choose one bull. Prepare it. Call on the name of your God. But do not set fire to the wood. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. Mm. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, oh, Baal, answer us. Oh, Baal. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling around the mm -hmm. altar they had made. Mm -hmm. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You have to shout now. <laughs> For surely he's a god. Perhaps he's daydreaming or relieving himself. Maybe he's taking a number two. Maybe uh, he's away on a trip or mm -hmm. uh, he's asleep and, and needs to be awake. Yeah, yeah. Be a little louder. So they shouted louder and following their normal custom, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. Then they raved all afternoon into the time of the evening mm. sacrifice, but still there was no sound, no reply, no response. Mm. Then Elijah called to the people, come over here. Yeah, come on over here. They all crowded around him as he uh, repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, mm -hmm. one to represent each tribe of Israel. Yeah. And he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold yeah. about three gallons. Yeah. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull in pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. Yeah. Then he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the altar yeah. and the wood. After they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they had finished, now he said, now do it one more time. Yeah, one more. So Just so y'all made no mistake about this. So yeah. they did as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. At the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and, altar and prayed. Oh, Lord, God of Come Abraham, on. Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. Prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Yeah. Prove that I have done all this at your command. Oh, Lord, answer me. 
Answer me so these people well, will no. know Come on. that you, O oh Lord, are God, and that you have brought them back to yourself. Mm -hmm. Immediately, the fire Immediately. of the Lord. We didn't have to wait. Down yeah. And burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. Yeah. <laughs> it even licked up, licked all, up the all the water. The mm -hmm. And when the people saw it, they fell face yeah. down to the ground and cried out, The Lord yeah. is God. Yeah. Yes, the Lord is God. Then Elijah commanded, Seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. So the people seized them all, and Elijah took them down to Kashan Valley and killed them there. Now, I need you to give me the next six verses, but I, I got to explain this. See, they had a sin problem. The people of Israel, they liked Baal and Asherah. See, they, 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 they blended in with culture and started worshiping and had idols and other gods. But see, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had made a covenant with them. They knew better to be having idolatry in the land. See, what happened, I couldn't go back that far, but the, the heavens, they got shut up. See, it was too much sin in the land. So Elijah said, it ain't going to rain. So it had, been, it, had been, it had been a drought. So, and so he said, come on, let's have a God off. My God versus y'all God. And see, what happens is the people fell down to worship God and took care of the sin issue. See, it was a sin issue in the land. And until they took care of the 450 prophets and stepped out down and worshiped God and dealt with the sin in their life, nothing was going to come about for them. Give me the next six verses. Give me 41 through 47, 41 through 46. Watch this. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go uh -huh. get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm. Yeah, look at him prophesying. So, yeah. Ahab, so Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said mm -hmm. to his servant, go yeah. and look towards the sea. Yeah. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. Seven back times Elijah <laughs> told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. <laughs> then shouted Elijah, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. Yeah. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific storm, mm -hmm. and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah, special took strength. his cloak into his belt, <laughs> and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way. To the interests of Israel. Not until sin is dealt with will God move. So our first step to being adults is being found faithful. Deal with the sin in your life. Give me Galatians 5. He says in Galatians 5, NLT, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against such things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed their passion and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. When we decide that we belong, we're going to believe in Jesus Christ for our sins, we want to accept him as idol now, now we nail our desires, our sinful nature, to the cross with Christ. We start to pursue holiness. He says those who belong to Jesus Christ. The issue is we, some of us think that we belong. We just don't belong. See, when you belong to him, you have nailed your passion and your sinful nature to, the, uh, to, the, to his cross and crucified it there. So those who belong to him, we killed that. We killed our desires. We killed what we wanted for our life. We, and we, we laid ourselves out for what he wanted for us. Watch as he says in verse 25. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So in every area of our lives, we're supposed to be following what the Holy Spirit gives us, following what the Word of God gives us, going where he tells us to go, going how he tells us to go. If we're going to be grown, if we want to grow up, this is what it will look like. He says, you nailed your pastor to the cross. It's just simply not about you anymore. 
We're, we're yoked to him now. It's just simply not about what we want anymore. And some of us, that's our problem. We can't get out of ourselves. It's about what we want. And we want association with him, but we just don't want to, we don't want to concede or yield to his power in our lives. We, 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 uh, 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 we haven't been adopted and grafted into the tree. We, we were supposed to be adopted and grafted into Christ, but we don't want to take under the, none of the characteristics of him. Give me Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. He says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself. This is step one, be found faithful. We got to deal with the sin in our lives. This is how you do it, start denying yourself. Following the Holy Spirit's leaning in every area and every part of your lives. He must deny himself, set aside self-interest, and take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come. Woo, that one right there. Expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come. So God, whatever you throw at me, I got to take it? Yep. When we die to ourselves and give up our will and our way for our life, y'all hear me say this all the time. I was doing pretty good before I our pastor, making a ton of money, well into six figures, doing pretty great. And, and I decided I'm giving up my own way. God, whatever you want for me, I'll do it, except pastor. Oh, I had guidelines for him. I wasn't going to pass. I was like, I do everything else. I'll be on Facebook. I will share the gospel in the middle of anywhere, but I'm not pastor. And, of course, what did he call me to do? Pastor. And I said, okay, I got a choice here. I can run from this and not do it. It was obvious the anointing what God called me to do. Or I can give up myself and submit to the calling. So I had to express willingness to endure whatever may come. God, whatever you put me in, I pray this prayer all the time. God, whatever you want to do with me, just do it. Just take it. Like at this point, whatever you want to do with my life, whatever you want to take from me, whatever you want to ask from me, I yield. I can see, just take, just do whatever with my life. And we have to get to the point where no matter what situation he puts us in or what season, he may tell somebody, oh, you're not getting married. You will be single for the rest of your life. Will you accept that? Do you have a willingness to endure whatever he tells you over your life? He says, and follow me, believing me, conforming to my example in living. We have to conform to what his example of living. If you want to know how to live, just go see how he lived. Just go watch how Christ walked on the earth. He says, my example of living and, I, and, and, and if need be suffering or perhaps dying because of the faith in me, you will suffer and perhaps dying because of faith in me. He says, verse 25, for whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in this world, for my sake, will find it. That is, life with me for all eternity. Verse 26. For that, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, wealth, fame, success, but forfeits his soul? Or what, would it, what, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his glory and majesty of, of his Father and his, and his angels, and then he will repay each one according to what he has done. Will you be found faithful? Because he's coming back. And he's going to reward each one according to what they have done. And some of us are so busy worried about our bank accounts and our career and our savings account. And all that will die and go away. And he's going to, you're going to stand before God and he's going to say, what did you do for me? And, and, and what, where in your life was I able to use you? Where is the fruit? Because those of us that believe in Jesus Christ, there's two judgment seats. One, there's two uh, judgment um, 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 it's a great white throne seat, 
and it's, and it's a judgment seat of Christ. The first one is going to be for those of us who believe. We're going to get a rewarded accordingly. And then the second one is for those who didn't believe. They're going to get rewarded or disciplined accordingly. So, the, so what we need to understand is we're going to have to stand before God one day. And he's going to put the fire in our life. He's going to put the fire in our life. And everything that he can't use because you believe in Jesus Christ is going to burn up. And what's going to be left is what he can reward you for. And unfortunately, some of us are going to go to heaven and be broke. Because our entire lives was for what we wanted. Our entire lives was only built on what we wanted, what we wanted to do. And God said, I, I can reward you for this, but that's about it. Come on in here. I love how Dr. Tony Evans puts it. He said some of us are going to be heavenly street sweepers. They're going to be the happiest garbage people in heaven ever. And y'all sacrifice 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years of doing what you wanted to, and you're going to get to heaven and spend eternity broke. It will be no Calvin Boulevard. No, I'm not one of y'all. It's going to be a Calvin Boulevard. I'm getting something. It's going to be no, no, no mansion with your name on it. You will have no street with your name on it. You will have no crowns. You will have no rewards because you took your entire life and you did what you wanted to do. God said, I could never use you. Uh, you never stored up riches in heaven where Martha and Russ can't get to them. You never did that. So, sorry, I mean, you covered by the blood of the lamb because you believe in Jesus Christ, but your life was pretty much meaningless. I'm not making this up. First Corinthians chapter, 30, uh, chapter 3, verse 11 through 16. He says, he said, because you built your house on the foundation of Jesus Christ, he says, no other man, there's no other foundation. But everybody is going to build on that house differently. Some, some, some wood, some clay, some, some, some all these different materials. He said, now here you go. The fire will reveal whose, whose works actually matter. Some of it, he said, when the fire is put on our life, he said, if, you, if, if the fire put on your life and it's burnt up, you will suffer great loss. He said, but those, when the fire goes on your life, you will be rewarded. Like, I'm not making this up. We need to... Be focused, putting our mind on heavenly things. Be found faithful, doing what God told you to do. Let it be some area in your life where he is, is prevalent, and really we just regulations every area of our life we're supposed to be following the Holy Spirit. And too many of us are so caught up in what we can see and what we can feel, we're going to die. And we're going to go be with the Father, and we're going to be internally broke. And, and I, I wanna, I'm slowing down here. I'm sitting on this for a minute because this is serious. We're so busy are getting our followers and our shares and our likes and our 401Ks and our, and our degrees, and we're putting all our time and energy into something that's going to pass away, something that stress you out anyway. Half of us don't like our jobs anyway. Something that stress you out anyway, and we'll give it our whole life, and we're going to die and stand before the Father. And we'll have little reward, and it will be too late then. He said that builder will suffer great loss. Because at that point, you can't go back and fix it and live for him then. Your whole life meant nothing. Number two, be found faithful, number one. Number two, be found fruitful. Get out of yourself and serve. Be found faithful. Be found fruitful. And we're going to transition with two things God wants to see. He wants you to be faithful. He wants you to be fruitful. Let's get into this. John chapter 13. We must grow and stay faithful in serving God. And that means serving others. Too many of us too often want to say, well, I love God and I serve him. How we do that is by serving others, each other. John 13, 34. He says, so I'm now, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. How we prove that we really are grownups and we really are about that life is how we love and serve each other. 
We want too often to talk about how much we, we all our gifting we do in the church and all these great things and all this, all this anointing we have, we say that we have, and, and really in our actuality, we won't love nobody. I watched a video last week, we talked about it on Wednesday night, of a woman standing in the pulpit clowning another woman that she called a prophetess. Clowning her. Cussing everything to my mama, get you when I see you in the streets. And, you was, and, and she said, I'm anointed. I'm anointed. No, wait, what? See, see we want to play games in the pulpit. And sometimes we think like, boy, y'all don't get struck down playing like that in these pulpits. She, he says, how you love each other will prove that you're my true disciples. Let me reverse it. If y'all don't love each other, you're not a true disciple. How the world will know that you truly belong to me is how you serve and love each other. He says, this is a new commandment I'm giving you. I didn't ask you to do this. This is a command. This is a new command of the New Testament. Love each other just, out, how, just, have, uh, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. The same forgiveness I give you, turn around and forgive each other. The same patience I give you, turn around and be patient with others. The same things I give you, turn around and replicate that, duplicate that to your brothers and sisters. That's the second thing. Be found fruitful. But let's keep going. Verse 35. Your love for one another will prove, that you are my, that prove to the world that you are my disciples. We're supposed to be proving to the world something. That we will really belong to Jesus Christ. Verse 36. Simon Peter asked, I wasn't going to read this, but I'm going to throw this in. Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. Verse 37, but why can't I come now, Lord? Peter is just always running his mouth. He asked, I'm ready to die for you. Verse 38, Jesus said, die for me. I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you would deny me three times that you even know me. And I, and I, I was thinking about that and reading that. That's how we are in the church. Lord, I'll go hard for you. i do anything for you. He's like, man, you're going to deny me tomorrow at Walmart. You're going to be having your worship music on. Somebody's going to put on side of you. You're going to turn your worship music down. Don't act, don't, quit the cat. When we have to, when it, when it, when it starts to cost us to live this Christian life, we, 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 we recede. We rescind back. When it starts to get uncomfortable and cost us for this, then we pull back. Our fruit, all of a sudden we pull back our fruit. Watch this, uh, 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 Matthew 25. Tell me your brothers and sisters is serving God. Matthew 25, 40. And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king would turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, you didn't give me drink. I was a stranger, you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, you didn't visit me, verse 44. Then they would reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? Lord, here we go, Lord, you're so, you're so spiritual. Lord, will we ever do that to you? We've been here. He said, verse 45, and he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of the brothers and sisters, you will refuse to help me. And they will go away into the eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. What we're supposed to be doing, when we, when we, we really want to serve God, the fruit on our tree, we, 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 we are so busy trying to get somebody to eat it. We're so busy trying to serve and love each other, and, and this should really be the basis of everything we do in every church. It's being holy and sanctified and then going right immediately into serving and loving each other, going down so somebody else can go up, compassionately, righteously, and selflessly seeking the well-being of somebody else. But we're so selfish, and we will clown all day. We will shout and beat the rug and then leave and be mean and nasty to everybody. Mean and nasty to everybody, but say we belong to God. We belong to God. He says, no, uh, uh. He said, when you did it to the least of them, you was doing it to me. He said, you should be teaching others. What does teachers do? A teacher's entire job is to pour themselves out for the students. 
He says, give me, give me, give me Hebrews 5. He says, he says, give me, what we give me, give me 11, yeah. There is so much more I would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. You should be teaching. It shouldn't even be about you no more. You should mature to the point now that your whole service in church, your whole service in the body of Christ, the kingdom, is to be serving somebody else. He says, you should be teachers by now. Your whole ministry should be at turn now to serve other people. He says, instead, you need someone to teach you again. It's still about you. Focus still on you. Still immature. Still a baby. The basic things about God's word. We still don't know basic stuff about the word of God. Let me hit this. I've been reading this every week. I told you I'm going to drill this into y'all for about 20 weeks. What was happening here in Hebrews was they was giving an example of, of, of Jesus coming in the order of Melchizedek, both king and priest. I love it because only one time since Melchizedek, since somebody came to be king and priest. It's the equivalent of like the president of the United States being your pastor too, king and priest. And he says the only one that came in that order was Christ. And then he jumps into verse 11 and says there's much more I would like to say, but y'all can't get this one thing. That, that y'all can't understand the, the, the purposes of Christ and what he came for, that he came in order of king and priest. He said, I would like to tell you more. He said, but y'all need to know the basic things about God's word again. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. We should be teaching and serving others by now. But our entire lives is about us. And he says, the second part of this, what I need to see, if you're going to be grown, and, and we're going to get on grown folks' business, is I need you to turn your life around and be about somebody else. Your life shouldn't be about you no more. You should have accepted me, fell in love with me, cleaned your life up. Now you're serving. Now your whole life is about serving and loving others. That's how they would know you belong to me. Give me Second Kings. Michigan, can you read this for me again? I want, you, I want to paint this picture to y'all again. I love this story of this woman, and I want to show y'all this. Second Kings chapter 4. Start at verse 8 for me and just stop at 17. Watch this, y'all. Watch the story of this woman, the woman of Shunem. Watch One day this. Elijah went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for mm -hmm. a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I am sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. One day Elijah returned to Shunem and he went up to this upper room to rest. He said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem mm. I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elijah said to Gehazi, tell her we appreciate the kind concern you have shown mm. us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you with the king or to the commander of the army? No, she replied. My family takes good care of me. Yeah. Later, Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son and her husband is an old man. Mm -hmm. Call her back again, Elijah told him. Mm. When the woman returned, Elijah said to her as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. Yeah. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant, and at that time the following year, she had a son, just as Elijah said. Just as Elijah said. She had an issue. 
she couldn't have babies. But when she seen the man of God coming, all she thought to do is, let's build him a room. Let's serve. She wasn't praying to my God, bless my womb, open my womb, I need you. What about my house, my car, my job? She was so focused on serving others. And it actually, she, she had to build a room. This took resources. This took time. She actually went out of her way to make this happen. She never asked for one thing. What happened? The man of God turned around like, what can we do for her? And too busy we in the body of Christ, we're trying to praise God and bless God for a blessing. When we should be praising God and blessing God for what he's already done. And she was content right where she was. She was content right where she was. And then the favor of the Lord fell upon her because she was so busy serving. And worried about what the prophet need. And, and, and I, I like to say, worry about what the church needed. Because right now the prophet's walking around and he's doing his thing. She's so busy trying to serve that now God knocked on her door with what she needed. She never had to ask. See, I think sometimes we think he's Santa Jesus. Like we Santa Jesus, we be good all year, we're going to get her naughty or nice. It's like, it's like we think he's like Jehovah Genie. Come to church three times, boom, he owe you a blessing. Like, it's like we need he, Jehovah Geico. Pull him out of our phone, show we know his name, and boom, we get a settlement. We go, everything will be okay, our car will get fixed. He is, you can't finesse the faith. We're trying to hustle God, and you can't hustle him, and you can't finesse the faith. And what we want to do is just do just enough to play a game as if we know him, but we're really not serving, we're really not loving. We just want to put him out, I know Jesus. Blessing, I need a Blessing. And all she did was serve others. She wasn't even concerned with her own issue. She was so focused on serving the man of God, then blessing fell on her lap. And I'm saying, if you, if you pay attention to these two stories, only blessing came after they corrected these things. Blessing came for Israel, rain, after they dealt with the sin. Blessing came for the woman of God after she committed to serving. She doesn't sit in there begging. Now, let's be honest. We've we seen women like Hannah that was at the altar, and they was crying out, and they was laid out, and she was blessed with her son. But what God has called us to do is serve each other through love, love each other through serving. I'm closing here. I'm closing here. It, it, we give God what we don't even want. It's, it's like we don't even give him leftovers. We give him, we give him the trash. We, we don't. We give him the time after everybody else picked over the time. Your job picked over it and your family coming to see you and you just give him the leftover while you're in the bed talking to him. We offer him trash, but we want him to move in a mighty way. Like we, we literally offer him garbage. And then we stand up and say, I'm, I'm, I'm grown. Use me. P Pastor, put me in a position. I'm a lead. I'll be looking at something like, uh. We need to learn how to grow up. And see, this is grown folks' business because when you start talking like this, it get quiet. And this is when people don't come back. When you start telling them, deal with the sin in your life. Get repented in these areas. And now turn around and serve others above yourself. People ain't trying to do that nowadays in the body of Christ. That's like, that's like cussing them out. Serve others above myself. He says, you should always be ready. Always be looking for opportunity. Not us. We barely want to tip the waitress that's been served us for the last hour. We find you, you, you come with two, you come with extra, one extra cube in my water, I'm docking your tip. He says, that's not, as people that call ourselves Christians, we're supposed to be committed to a level of holiness and a level of love through serving. Watch the Galatians chapter 4. That God, I, listen, God is not just 
accepting whatever. Genesis chapter 4, I mean, he's not just accepting whatever. We keep thinking we can just offer him whatever and just be good. But we know somebody in the Bible who tried that. Genesis 4, chapter, verse 3. When it was time for a harvest, Cain presented some crops as a gift to the Lord that Abel brought the gifts. The best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel's gift. He didn't accept Cain's. And his gift, he, he accepted Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must not, sub you you must not sub you but you must subdue it and be his master. God is not accepting whatever we give him. And some of us still got time to correct this. We have offered God the garbage in our life for our entire lives. And he's saying, okay, here we go. I'm calling you out to holiness. And I'm calling you out to servitude. I, I, I didn't go to one of these, uh, we, I, I go to these pastors meetings. And I was in a bit of a pickle. I was kind of distraught. So I told the pastors I wouldn't be showing up for a couple months. And they're like, really, man? Like, don't you preach people not to isolate and don't pull away from your people? Like, don't you preach that? I'm like, dang, I do. And it dawned on me, me going to these meetings went about me. Because what I felt I was going through, they needed to see me. And too often we'll say, well, I don't want to go. I don't feel it. It ain't even, it's not, it's supposed to not be about you. They need to see you. Your brothers and sisters may need you, but we make it all about us. And, and God doesn't want dams. He wants rivers. See, a lot of blessings are not coming because he knows if he poured in you, that's where it's going to stay. He doesn't want a dam. He needs rivers. He needs tools that he can... 2 Corinthians chapter 9, our, our scripture for our giving, he says that he'll keep giving seed to the sower. He said, I need somebody I can give seed to that's going to keep sowing it. Husbands, I need a husband that's going to love his wife and, and, and minister to her so I can keep pointing to him and he can keep pointing to her. I need somebody that's going to let me use their lives. Our question of the day, I know I ask a question every week. Why would God pour anything into you if he can't get it out? It's a gone folks business. Why would God pour anything into your life if he can't get it out? Think about that for a minute. We serve a God that needs to say that we're his hand and feet. The church is the bride of Christ. And he said, this is my bride. I'm going to operate. I'm going to leave you my spirit. I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. And I'm going to operate through that spirit and through you. And you can't even get nothing out of us. We get a blessing. We ain't giving nothing away. We get extra time. Can't nobody get that from us. God said, why would I pour anything into you if I can't get it out? I'm looking for rivers, not dams. I'm looking for rivers, not dams. I'm looking for something I can flow through you. And some of y'all say, well, I'm tired, Pastor. I'm tired of, I'm tired of serving. I, I do serve, and, and, and I, I am faithful, and, and I am fruitful, and, and, and it still just ain't happening for me. Well, I got a scripture for you. as my last one. But let's not get tired of doing what is good. Galatians 6. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessings if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, here we go, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family, the faith, the family of faith. 
I may say, man, I, I'm, I do do right. I be going hard, Pastor. Like, what about me? I still ain't experienced that. Don't go weary and well do it at just the right time. Don't faint. Keep going. And he doubles and he turns around and takes you back to not focusing on you. So, so always be ready to serve others, pretty much. Always be, especially if they were part of the body of Christ. I got that bad job. Let somebody come to me. Let, let, me, let me interact with somebody that's a Christian. I used to sell stuff all the time. Let them say they're a Christian. You even getting it for free or half off just because you belong to the body of Christ. I'm, a, I'm in a fraternity. I'm an alpha. And when alphas see me, I can skip the line. I get free stuff. I get like, I get a, I get this, my, my brother, the bruh, come on. And I feel the same way about Christians. You a Christian, you believe in Jesus Christ, and you get the plug. Like, I, I'm trying to serve you even the more. And that's how we should be in the body of Christ. God is calling us to true sanctification and servitude. And when we get to the point, we have matured to the point where we can accept discipline from him and line our lives up with what he wants from us and then turn around and replicate that to our brothers and sisters in Christ, then we become adults. Our two scriptures we've been talking about every week, week in John chapter 15 and Hebrews 5, we got to produce fruit and we ought to be teachers by now. It shouldn't even be about us no more. We should be holy, planted ourselves right where God wants us to, and we should be serving others. And if we can do that worst way, see, we've been okay doing it worst way. I, I, was, I was in my feelings a couple weeks ago. I ain't going to lie, I like to be pretty honest up here. We're a church who is super generous. We give away a lot of money. And I'm like, Lord, we got some needs. And you ain't helped us with our needs the way I think you should. Now, you called us to be a generous church. It's on the wall. Generosity, our, first, our, our, our four pillars, faith, love, generosity, practical Bible teaching. And we got some needs. Now, if I wouldn't give all that money, we've given away around $90,000 this year. We just hit two years, two, year, two years as fellowship last week. And we've given away around $90,000 as a church. We see other churches in need, we just write the check. It doesn't even matter. We just, that's how we've been. God says, so see, I'm a big believer in so and see. My father was like that. I've been groomed that way. We like to give. That's how we are. I'm like, now, we would have saved all that money. We wouldn't be in this predicament right now. It's me with my finger up to God. If we would have saved, I wouldn't have needed to go through all this. We're so busy trying to give and serve. And every time I try to do that with God, every, I promise, every time I do that with him, and I start studying and getting ready for Sunday to serve y'all, all oh, this scripture be beating me down. It be kicking my behind. I, I, everything I give y'all, he deals with me first off. And I read that, that don't go rearing and well-doing at just the right time. And then I read verse 10, and God said, now you need to turn your attention back off your stuff and all everybody else needs. Therefore, and my dad was trying to say, we see therefore, go back and see what it's there for. We just read verse 9. It says, don't give up in just the right time. So therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, go back to serving others. I said, dang. First way. I know we, we, we're, in a, we're in a season where we have to leave this building in a month, in two to three months. And I've been, as a pastor, I've been all over the city looking at different areas and different buildings and different things. And it's been like, man, Lord, we have, what is going on? Like, what is going on? And he said, don't go where you're well doing. It's just a Plan, plan my move and plan my stuff. 
I'm like, Lord, I don't want to. Don't wait till the last second. We don't get to tell him how he do it. And what we just read, he says, whatever situation I may put you in. And I'm like, well, Lord, here I go again. Whatever you want, we're going to do it. You know what we need. I'm not, we're not a building church. We have thousand burgers, ministering to people and loving on people. And that's really who we are. But we need a space, a hub to have services and have our resources and do our podcast and all the stuff we do and serve our children. We, we need a hub for that. We need a place to do that in. I'm like, Lord, I, I had just the right time. Until then, I need you to turn your, therefore, I need you to turn your attention back on serving the body of Christ. I'll handle my wife. I'll handle my bride. And sometimes it's hard to swallow because in the very minute that I'm, I'm encouraged, I'm like, two days and I'm like, ah, really, Lord? Be found fruitful. Be found faithful. If there's anybody in here who says, I've never put my faith in Jesus Christ for my sin, I've never confessed it. I've never confessed.